0: what was it about you that was disruptive though i want some specifics um whenever
1: i'm i see a problem i think this is in common with anyone who starts a business i look at the way something's done and immediately start thinking of better ways to do it rather than just doing what i'm told i sort of scratch my head and think no this doesn't make sense to me why are we doing it this way that we could do it in this other way which is 10 times faster i mean i one of my first ever jobs was to uh, with another analyst go and count all of the jewellery items on a like a massive jewellery website there must be a thousand to do a tally chart of the price range and this guy started doing them by hand so I scratched my head and wrote a little excel script to script, basically scrape the website and just tally them up and go there's your results and that, but they didn't want that because they were billing by the hour and that had only taken an hour of my time rather than 20 hours and so they could only bill me out for an hour and they're like no, no, no no go back and do it by hand so it That kind of stuff just drove me crazy. And I was always just looking for ways to automate, ways to do things better. Um, I guess that's what led me into entrepreneurship.
0: What gave you the conviction and the confidence that you could take on such a mammoth industry with Monzo? Um, I mean, arrogance, Mm. naivety and arrogance,
1: I think, in in no small part. Um, I'd, I'd already built a company called GoCarders, which is a payment processor. So that sort of taught me that, You know, three young guys could get access to the payment system and and actually move money around. Um, and banking was a step up from there. It was, it was more regulated, more complicated. Um, but I I had the background in payments and I was an early NatWest user, or rather when I was young and they were very old, I was a NatWest user and I was deeply, deeply disappointed. And I think like any founder, really a, a huge sort of dose of naivety, you know, you look at a problem and think it's probably, I think if I knew now what I knew, if I knew then what I knew now, I would never have done it really. If I knew what the amount of pain and heartache that would be involved, I would never have started, but I didn't know that. And so I had a huge amount of self-confidence, a huge amount of naivety, uh, and just assumed that I could figure it out. And I think we got a really, really long way. And I mean, the company's still doing fabulously. So I'm incredibly proud of of what we built.
0: I find that point about naivety so interesting, because it almost feels like founders like yourself need to be deluded on one end in terms of their own confidence, right? Because if you look at the stats and all the odds, they're clearly against you. So founders like yourself seem to be, I, I, deluded sounds like a, a negative word, but it's like, for me, I'm saying it in a positive way, almost like deluded to the, or naive to the, the stats and the probability of the success. Yeah, totally. But also self-aware enough to listen to feedback and to not be blinded by their hypotheses.
1: Listen to some feedback. I mean, a lot of the feedback I got in the early days was this is impossible. You can never do it. You know, go back to a day job. Um... So I think you do have to be incredibly optimistic as well. But a little bit like investing, I'm doing a little bit of investing now. I think you, if you have a lot of experience, the downside is you've seen these ideas fail again and again and again. And it's really hard to then leave that baggage behind and, and look at a company. Um, and I looked at one yesterday. It's like, I, I've seen that model fail four times. Not my, you know, I wasn't running it. Others were running it. But to... Um, have a fresh enough mind to think okay maybe the timing's different maybe the founding team's different maybe the technology's changed this can now work so i think actually the benefit of being naive and even being quite young in your career is you don't have that baggage of knowing how it failed the five times before
0: Mm. um which i i find super interesting when you're looking at founders in your investments now from your own experience of being a founder yeah what are the attributes you're looking for i mean the
1: (laughs) The really simple one is being technical. Being able to write code, I think, is just a huge, huge leg up. And all of the founders who aren't technical, and there are many great ones, um, I think their biggest problem at the early stage is finding a technical co-founder. So that's just a, an immediate benefit. And if I could talk to people in the sort of if age 12 to 18, I would basically just go and say, learn to code. You're going to have a really well-paying career for the rest of your life, and it'll, it's a great step in, into entrepreneurship. Are you technical? Yeah, I learned to code when I was 12 or 13. Oh, wow. Built websites. Um, um I mean, I was never, I, I studied law, not computer science, but I can, I can code. I, there's still code I wrote probably in the Monzo code base somewhere. Mm. I think it puts the emojis into the, the, the push notifications. But, um, uh, yeah, so being technical, I think, is just the easy answer. Um, more fundamentally, I think just being really, really determined and resilient, seeing a, as you said, a, an immovable object, and either finding a way sort of round it, or over it, or under it, or just straight through it. You know, some that um, being indefatigable, basically, I think is is the single biggest predictor of success.
0: You um, you you strike me as someone that has great confidence, and I imagine that's come from as you kind of alluded to with go cardless. You've built evidence over time that you could do things. So, I, and I, I I sometimes think of confidence as like a self reinforcing. Cycling the upwards or downwards um i think i was more confident when i was 28 than i am now for sure and i think that comes
1: with experience um i think you you take enough knocks that you start to and you realize you don't know i think at 27 28 i thought i knew everything and now i realize i you know i like to think i know a lot about a lot of things but I, i realize i don't um and so my i'm still a confident person i'd guess but if you put me in front of my 27 year old self i think you would see two different people
0: Maybe less naivety. Maybe that'd be yeah, a stark exactly, difference, yeah.
1: right? I've seen the failures a few times
0: now. Because I, I, I was saying that because there's a lot of, um, a lot of young people in my, in my DMs that are dreaming big dreams like yours, but they would just never have the confidence or conviction to pursue them. So mm. I was wondering, is that I'm trying to get to the, I guess, the crux of what made you so starkly different from every all of the young people that have or at least verbalised equally big dreams. I think I'm also
1: just really impulsive, so I, I think quite self-confident. But I was, um, I've taken quite big life decisions without very much reflection, mm. um, and that's worked out really well. I'm, you know, I'm hugely privileged. I, um, I've grown up in the UK, which I think is enormous privilege compared to a lot, you know, people in my position. But growing up in in rural Africa, are not going to have the same opportunities. Mm. I have great education. I had parents who supported me, and I knew I could take risk because if that risk didn't pay off. I have, a, I have that safety net. And so, um, yes, I was confident. I think, yes, I was impulsive, but I that was enabled from a place of huge privilege because I could take the risk. And I, and I actually think people in this country um, with great supportive families don't take enough risk in general. I think um, people go into um, pretty safe careers in law or consulting or whatever, and I think they could um, do more interesting things, have more impact... You know, make more money if that's what drives you by taking more risk. And I just don't think they do. And I, I think I put myself on the risk loving end of the spectrum. Um, and so I've quit jobs and moved countries, we, you know, with like hours notice. Um, I started go cardless uh, with Matt Hiroki because I quit my consulting job to go to a bigger consultancy. And in that gardening leave, I just got bored. I had three months off and they said, let's start, start a website. And I said, yes. And then Y Combinator said, come out and interview. And we did. And we got the offer to Do Y Combinator and their investment about three days before my McKinsey start date. So I just sort of said, ah, this sounds fun. I'll, I'll do this startup thing instead.
0: You are always one decision away from taking your business to the next level. And a decision that's helped me to transform my business is moving over to NetSuite, who I'm excited to say are a sponsor of this podcast. If you don't know already, NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. It's reduced IT costs because it lives in the cloud so you can access it from anywhere. And the cost of managing and running multiple systems because it's in one unified business management suite. My team and I don't have